The food and farming industry has been through quite some trials and tribulations. Over the course of the last century, we have moved from a fairly restrictive uh, practice uh, with uh, lots of uh, measures to uh, protect the farming industry uh, through to where we are now, where there seems to be a, a much less uh, protection available to the agricultural industry. It is fair to say that farmers have throughout that century struggled to make a reasonable living and are still struggling. And yet food prices are higher than they have ever been. I'm joined live at the Southern Showfield at Oristal uh, by Ian Parsons, President of the Manx National Farmers Union, Murray Kringle, Vice President of the Manx National Farmers Union, uh, Vicky Quirk from Betty's Pies, um, among other things, and the Minister, Claire Barber. Um, so perhaps if, if I start off uh, uh, talking to you, Ian, uh, I mean, there's been some news obviously recently about the the milk price order you know food prices appear to be uh, reasonably high at the moment so farmers must be doing okay <laughs> if only that was the case phil um like everyone else um the farming industry at the moment is faced with unprecedentedly high um input costs um fuel feed fertilizer they've all risen by yeah fertilizers risen by like two to three hundred percent um we're probably, um, profitability is probably at an all-time low um, and fully appreciate though that there's an awful lot of households that can't afford for food prices to get any more expensive. So I suppose the challenge for us for an industry is for the for the farmer to get a higher percentage of that price. Um, you know, we need more for what we produce, but with, especially I suppose it's easy to blame the supermarkets, but with the sort of profit margin, Tesco's announced this last first quarter of this year that they made record profits so it's I think it's just a case of sharing that out for everybody um, and try and get a little bit more back to the primary producer. And uh, Murray Kringle I mean you've you, you've been around uh, for, for, for quite some years a, so. a, a year or two more than I have and uh, you know the, the, the Manx National Farmers Union over all the, the decades I can recall have been trying to explain to the public a, a lot better how um, you know, food, food prices occur. You know wh where where the price comes from. How, how uh, difficult it is for farmers to to actually make a reasonable living producing food. Um, it, it, is is the, the the union doing enough uh, in that area? Do you think? Um, I think we're probably making a stronger voice than we have before, Phil. Um, it's factual. It's not made up. Um, I think it's a stark realism that uh, it's getting harder and harder. Um, if you take a look at the age profile of the farming community, um, the next generation is going to be a worry to even continue. But there's a need, a definite need in the Isle of Man for having our own food security. And, you know, to have your own food security, you need to produce it. And uh, that should be key for our government. And I'm sure the minister is well aware of it because we've probably rattled on about it enough times for her anyway. And uh, we'll keep driving that point. We would like our government maybe to market more Manx produce and use more Manx produce. Um, I know the minister's on board with that and she's working at it, um, but uh, you know, they're the big, one of the biggest feeders in the Isle of Man and let's get them using Manx and supporting our own. You know, let's have it seasonal, let's have it local. That's what it's all about for me. And, and food security, I mean, it, it, it is a, a, a policy of government, uh, Murray. Um, but what, 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 why should that be important to, to uh, the, the Manx public, the, the food buying public? Why, I mean, uh, 
the, the, the boat sails pretty much every day. Uh, there's, there's, there's food coming in on, on that boat pretty much every day. So, well, so why do we need to produce it here? Yeah, I get that the boat sails every day, but don't forget, it doesn't sail every day. It, you know, we can go three or four days without a sailing, and all of a sudden we're fighting over a bag of sprouts on the shelves in the supermarket. So if it's locally produced and it's here to be had, it can be dealt with by local producers and bought by the local community. What we should need to look to is the future where food shortages are going to increase around the world. Farmers are going to be asked to produce more from what they have to try and keep the rest of the population going. So it's, it's a change in market and let's look after our own. It's important we look after the islanders. Vicky uh, uh, Quirk, I mean, you, you posted some quite uh, strong uh, comments on, on social media uh, recently. Um, do, you, do you think that the Manx food buying public uh, really understands uh, just what a perilous situation perhaps the food production sector is in at the moment? I think a lot of people do understand, but I think a huge number of people don't really understand the implications. Like you were saying, like the price of... Um, um, fertilizers have gone up is it how many hundred percent 300 percent we we can't it, it's just just not sustainable we we are having to pass on some costs to our customers but we can't increase our you know the price of a pie by 200 percent we can only go up by a pound or two at a time but just going back to the food security uh, thing that it is so incredibly important to have security food security on the island because it is about the production of basic foodstuffs being made on the isle of man and manufactured within the isle of man and it means that the money stays on the island so we have a really good multiplier effect within our local economy for example we now no longer can buy uh, manx bread from uh, Ramsey Bakery. So we've had to resort to buying a bread that's brought in from the UK. So when we got the bread from Ramsey Bakery, 100% almost of that money was kept on the island. Now I'd imagine it's probably something like 30p out of £1.90 that's now kept on the island. And that I think is disastrous to our economy. Uh, I make pie mash and peas and we try when I started doing this I wanted to make something that I could do using Manx produce, Manx flour, Manx butter, Manx cream, Manx meat, Manx vegetables to hold it on the island and to show that it is possible to be sustainable within the island and I view comfort food as that kind of food I don't see it as chicken nuggets and frozen chips and I, I just want everybody to just think about when they buy food, it isn't, when you eat it is a moral decision and it is very important within our economy. Minister, uh, last time we spoke I think uh, you, were, you were having conversations and trying to find solutions in relation to the milling wheat sector uh, because of the loss of uh, Ramsey Bakery, uh, with the, with, with, which bought 90% of, of, of uh, milling wheat uh, grown on the Isle of Man was obviously a massive, massive blow. How far have those conversations progressed? So as we stand at the minute, we've, um, uh, as DEFA, have um, paid to commission a report. Obviously, Treasury are the, uh, the owner of the mill, so it's a, a slight uh, <laughs> challenge in terms of the interaction because we're a key stakeholder um, and we're absolutely invested in getting the right outcomes for the uh, you know, food outlets and also for the farmers because ultimately that's, that's where the pressure on this lies. Um, but it's interesting, we talk around farming. Yeah, we're, sorry, around the milling wheat, we're waiting for that report to come back and as soon as that comes, 
we would envisage the Treasury making a very clear decision as to what the future will look like for um, either the mill as it is currently or a, a different concept of the mill. But actually one of the feedbacks that we've seen around bread um, from Ramty Bakery was around price and it was that inability to put the price up significantly as Vicky talked around for her product, trying to put it up to match the rise in input costs you, eventually there comes a point when you just can't do that and the customer just can't take the price anymore um, and I think that's something we really need to understand within that food security piece as to where government support needs to sit and how we can best support because it isn't always financial sometimes it's levers and enablers within other things that government are involved with um, and I take Murray's point about you know government being a, a big user of food on the island and we've talked at length about this um, and I've always said, I think, you know, a challenge at the minute, I don't think I could realistically go into uh, whether it be the whole of the school system or whether it be the whole of the prison or the, the hospital and say, right, everything is now to be maxed. But if we go for a day, which is what I've been pushing for, to say, actually, let's look at how we can do it and prove that it can be done in the way that Vicky's done really, really capably, actually. You know, you can put together a, a, a good, nourishing meal with all Manx produce, using that sustainable produce and really focusing on the seasonal produce. And I think it's important people understand what's in season at what time. Um, because, you know, I, mean, I don't pretend to be an expert on that um, any more than I think most people are. But I think if we can evidence that and they can see that actually we can make it work, it becomes a much easier sell to start to transfer more things into local product as opposed to imported product. At a time, though, when uh, we, we've had the, the situation uh, with the war in Ukraine uh, seriously uh, impacting on uh, supply and indeed pricing for milling wheat, uh, surely if, if, if we, we couldn't have had a better time for the public and indeed the government to realise just how important and strategically important uh, uh, milling wheat and uh, bread making on the island actually is. Oh no, I mean unquestionably to, to my mind we've got uh, milling wheat in the ground at the minute, we've got milling wheat in the silos at, at the mill and I know that we've got two years, in fact we've probably got more than two years worth and one of our challenges is the storage um, because the, you know, I think it's re reasonably well known that the mill needs work doing one way or the other um, in terms of making sure it's fit for the future. Um, there's no question that we need to have supplies on the island in terms of various elements of our production and of course we also recognise milling wheat impacts the flour that Vicky uses, it impacts bread and it, you know, there's a number of other bakeries as well still here so there is that wider piece which is why DEFA felt the right thing to do was to commission that, you know, that piece of work so we were absolutely clear what the demand is as we stand now without Ramsey Bakery, what the demand potentially could be if someone came online and tried to pick up some of those products, which I know that there are some opportunities potentially for the future, um, to make sure that we're not also inadvertently creating something for the future that means that we're limited and in the future there's no opportunity for growth. So I think there are a number of elements. Um, I know that some of the milling wheat producers were in a, a, a better position in terms of their opportunity for export of excess product if there wasn't a market here. Some people weren't in that position and that's made their options much more limited. Um, but you know, we have seen a reduction, a significant reduction in who will be growing milling, milling wheat this year. Ian Parsons, uh, I mean, in, in terms of the, the, the milling wheat sector, uh, I mean, it, it, it's an incredibly difficult thing to, to learn how to do growing milling wheat. 
Um, how, I mean, what, what do the, 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 the milling week growers actually know about the future at the moment? Unfortunately, they know very little. Um, communication from the mill has been very poor. Um, we're assured that there will be more information very shortly. But I think what they need to realise is we've nearly already passed the point where growers will be purchasing seed and fertiliser for crops that were put in the ground this autumn. Um, and it's such a specialist sector of the industry that I think it needs to be realised if we lose it, we might never regain it again. And you know, it needs to be understood that either Ukraine is either the fourth or fifth largest exporter of wheat in the world. And if that export market you know, if that grain isn't going to get out of the Ukraine, th there's going to be some serious shortages around Europe and um, the UK this coming year or two. And to be back to where we were before, talking about relying on the boat sailing, th there is a real possibility that that food won't be there to come in on the boat. So we need to, you know, as much as we can produce and process on the Isle of Man ourselves is essential. Because, of course, the, the thing to remember about uh, the, the United Kingdom uh, it's, is it something like 60% self-sufficient in, in foodstuffs? That's correct. You know, the, the United Kingdom's a long way from... Um, it, it's self-sufficient in certain products, but the majority of its food is imported as well. So you know, an, anything coming into the United Kingdom, they're going to have first draw on it before it gets to the Isle of Man. So, so I mean, what, what from, from the Farmers' Union's perspective, what, what is the answer to this particular... Uh, well, partic if we keep focused on, on milling wheat at, at, at this stage? Um, well, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very difficult situation for government to be in as well when they have lost their, their largest um, user of flour on the island. But, you know, there's, there's got to be opportunities there for, you know, an export market of flour. It's easier to export flour than it is to export grain as it's a less bulky commodity. Um, yeah, we, we, we produce a fantastic product on the Isle of Man, there's great marketing opportunities with that. So we, we, we mustn't lose sight of that, and it's, but it, you know, it's got to be profitable to produce. You know, that, that's a difficult one, and with the rise in input costs, the agricultural industry is probably quite unique in the fact that all our, all our input costs are dictated to us by our suppliers. But unlike other industries, we can't pass that on because our, our, our selling price is dictated to us by processors for the majority of farm produce. So all the time we're just trying to juggle that little bit that's left in the middle and at the moment that's just squeezed so much. So yes, it's vital that we maintain our mill and wheat production, but it's got to be profitable production. And uh, Murray Kringle, I mean, you're not a milling wheat grower yourself, but, but can you... Um give us a, a feel for how difficult it is to, to actually uh, grow uh, milling wheat. I mean, what, what, what are the, the processes that make it any more difficult than just throwing a bit of seed in the ground and, and then harvesting it at the, at, at the end? Uh, well, uh, we're not made for telefill, but you probably, you realise more than most that I'm, I'm designed off eating milling wheat. I've had <laughs> my fair share, so I consider myself half expert. But milling wheat is very specialist to grow. The seed is very expensive. Um, they have a lot of tiddling around to do with the crop as it grows. It has to hit all the targets for the mill to have its right levels to go on to bake with. So it's a, a very finite market to work with. And uh, I have to say, I'm proud of the way our Manx producers produce it. And the more we sell locally, the better. That's the whole drive on it, I think. And in terms of, you know, again, for, for, for the listener who, who may have very little knowledge of uh, farming, uh, what what happens if a milling wheat grower decides actually that, that I, I can't continue in this because there's too much uh, uncertainty? Um, how how difficult would it be for them to, to pick this up again? Well, I mean, that's the great thing about about farming. You know, you you will 
move to something else if it's not going to be there. And once they've gone, you may very well struggle to get them to come back to it. If it's a very expensive crop to go, unless the margins are there, they're not going to come back to it. They, if they've found some other angle to go on, they'll be gone and lost. And, you know, as the minister has said, you know, hopefully we'll get more mank spread on the shelves again in the future. I mean, I just think we don't want to sell the Alaman with, say, the TT races and we've got imported bread, imported butter, imported milk. Let's have our own milk in a jug. Let's have our own Manx water. Let's have our own Manx bread. Our own Manx produce and be proud of it and get it out to the people. And, and I suppose as well, just just to help uh, the listener in, in, in terms of understanding, you know, in, in terms of costs of, of, of growing any any sort of uh, grain, um, what, what are the, the, the costs associated with that? Um, hand on my heart, I wouldn't um, have the detail to give you on that. Um, all I know is the millinery producers have told me that it's far, far dearer crop to ever try and produce than you do for just growing animal feed. Um, so, yeah seriously expensive compared to a normal crop. But I think you, in terms of the basics, you, know, you, you need more fertiliser. Um, um, anything else particularly uh, that, that's in, in involved there? Um, no, I think it's, as much as anything, it's the expertise that these guys have got. They will need more inputs um, because they're trying to get levels to a certain, as I said before, to, to hit the levels that the, they need at the mill because that uh, constitutes what flour they have for, for how their bread will rise when they go to cook it. So. Um, it's all quite specific stuff um, that we think you just, as you said before, throw some seed in the ground and let it grow, but no way. It's, uh, these guys are professional at what they do. And uh, then v- Vicky Quirk, I mean, you, you, um, you have obviously uh, got some, some significant concerns about this. Um, do, you, do you fear for the future of uh, milling wheat um, production on, on the island? Uh, I mean, effectively, you, you need the milling wheat for your pastry if milling wheat growers have lost 90% of their marketplace, uh, that must be a concern. Yeah, well, we go through sacks and sacks and sacks of flour every month. And uh, yeah, it would, I think I would just feel internally deeply saddened if we weren't able to use a product, a product that was a, we could grow on the island. I, I just think that that is the thing. And losing our food security is, it is really sad. And at the end of the day, the Isle of Man is a, it's a farming community. and. It is, you know, it's it's so important to support it, and the whole chain going through the whole sector is is incredibly precarious. For example, food and drink restaurants and cafes, 60% fail within the first year, 80% fail within the fifth year. You know, when you look around the field here today, when I started nine years ago, there's, I think, I don't know, I think there's maybe one or two still here. It's a very hard sector to master and we need support and um, yes, you know, for the food and drink industry, that is our killer. Um, We need to think of ways around that. Somehow we need to mitigate it. We can't base our food and drink uh, sector on the Manx Grand Prix and TT. It's such a hyper, um, it's it's a sector that we're so driven by season and uh, we, we just, we need to find some sort of way of mitigating it and also we need to reduce this number of failings in food and drink because we need some sustainability in it. We need people like me and other people like Noah Bakehouse and 
uh, Ross Bakery, all these places that have now got a bit of sustainability. We need to generate more of us. We need to communicate better with the primary producers, the farmers. I, I don't think we talk enough with each other. We need logistics. How do we get the carrots from the field to our place without us having to go and collect it? How do we make it all easier for us to support each other? I do think there's disconnections that we can work on to make it better, but we need to start talking and we really need to use this time when it is so precarious to really communicate with each other and make it last and be sustainable. And we began by talking uh, about the, uh, the the milk price order. There used to be uh, orders for, for um, potatoes and, and uh, meat, but uh, they, they disappeared. And of course, when, when the protection for the, the potato growing industry disappeared, uh, effectively, uh, most potato growers went uh, went out of business. Uh, Minister, I mean, is it is it unthinkable that we could introduce uh, similar re restrictions again in the future to protect our uh, agricultural industry? No, I mean, I think one of the uh, interesting things is uh, we've got a number of pieces of work that sit within the department plan and the island plan actually over the next couple of years. We've got agricultural strategy and um, food security strategy which will be you know absolutely intrinsically linked in terms of how we progress with those um, and also we've uh, got a, a wider piece of work um, working across I suppose the whole sector um, looking at how we're putting support together and that's happening now because we can't wait for the, the strategy and the policy position around that because we recognize some of the challenges that sit within our, our sector. So lots of work already happening, lots of work still to happen. We've already commissioned um, an external review of policy on the island and how that's working and also policy elsewhere in some of our neighbouring jurisdictions. The reason we've done that externally is because I recognise that there has historically been some challenges between DEFA and some of the producers and I want to make sure that the, the information we get back is absolutely the truth, nothing but the truth. You know, I think that's really important and I, I hope that you know, I've made it clear, I want to have you know, open conversations where things aren't working. I want to talk with the farming community, I want to talk with the food producers. I recognise this massive value to us and I think I've seen a change over the time. You know, I'm not from the island but used to come here on holiday and it used to be very much, uh, it was very, um, very much less focused on sustainable seasonal local produce. I think that's significantly changed. And I think we need to push that messaging you know, even further because for me, that's what it's about. That's, you know, and it, as Vicky said, that ability to reduce the disconnect between the um, either uh, food producers um, or you know, food restaurants and so on, I think, and the farmers, I think again, is a really important piece that I hope will come out of the strategic and policy review that DEFRA are doing. Do you think though that um, farmers can wait for more conversations, more studies, more reports, or is it not you know, getting to a crisis position for, for many farmers? Which is exactly why I say a lot of this isn't waiting. So I've got a meeting on Wednesday this week. We've already been putting to, um, stuff together, working on how we can use the existing schemes to make sure we're getting um, financial support in the very short term um, to the right places. And you know, we've also put in a, a review around the meat plant. That's something that I've been very keen on to make sure that the money that's being used to subvent businesses that government have a stake in is being used to go directly to producers, and that we're not, you know, there aren't inefficiencies that need resolving. And I think that's important in everything we're doing. You know, it's very difficult to 
for me to go to Treasury and ask for more money if I haven't got 100% confidence that we haven't ironed out all of the inefficiencies first. So there's lots of work to do. You touched on the milk price order, um, and interestingly, that's a you know, really uh, interesting committee that I've, I now chair through the marketing committee, and that comes together and is represented with three members of the Office of Fair Trading to represent the consumer and three dairy milk producers. And I think. Having that as the, the balance in terms of working together to check that the milk price rise is something that is op offering a balance to make sure that the dairy milk um, pro producers are being properly paid um, and we recognise we are behind where the UK are now so there is a significant challenge for our dairy herds um, on the island. Um, but also making sure that the consumer is heard throughout that conversation and then putting a milk produce, milk, milk order to Timwalls. And it is a bit of a lengthy process that I, you know, takes time, and especially in a, a volatile um, climate that we have now, that time, by the time we've got that to Timwald, I know we're already not where we need to be. We need, you, you almost need another one. So that's why, again, we're looking at how as DEFA we can support the dairy industry, recognising there has to be a point at which the uh, the consumer can't swallow up the price essentially so it's a real balance um, and the other piece of work that falls within this um, five-year term well four years that are left of it um, is the Agriculture Marketing Act is up for review and I, you know again that needs to be a very big conversation across the whole of the industry to make sure that we are looking at what the future needs to look like and putting the right protections in building that in to tie in with our food security um, because so much, as you say, of that act, when you look at what's there now, has been repealed over the, the history. And you look back at the old issues of uh, farming journals on the island with, you know, the potato marketing. <laughs> There's so many different associations. They've gone now. You know, we're essentially left with fat stock marketing and milk marketing. Um, but yet we've got so many other products that we absolutely should be looking to support. And I think we've got a prime opportunity here. Ian Parsons, the, the, the theory went um, back in uh, probably 15, 16 years ago now when, the, when these discussions were taking place, that uh, removing restrictions allowed farmers to act more freely in the marketplace and therefore to, uh, to, to do things differently. Now, some, there has clearly been some innovation over the course of that 15 years, um, but do you, do you think the, um, the, the, the experiment of, of uh, freeing up farmers to choose what they wanted to produce and when they wanted to produce it, do you think that's actually worked? I think you have to move for that. When the, certainly the rest of Europe has moved into that direction, we couldn't be off in a little sort of separate state of our own with totally different regulation. Um, I, you know, import import substitution i think is where we need to be sort of targeting rather than a protected market because you know restricting people's ability to buy what they want to buy it's only going to backfire it wants to be a product of choice you know we need to engage with the consumer and you know make the manx produce the food security that farmers can offer on the isle of man their desirable product to go and buy and you know i don't think protectionism will work on an island situation especially with the supermarkets you're never going to battle um, with them and win them over and um, so I, I, I do think we've, we've gone in the right direction it's just unfortunate just just at the moment where we almost feel like we're the, on the edge of a cliff just with the these massive changes that's happened in the last 12 months and 
when we first started seeing this happening, it would be around about September time last year. We, we all thought it was a blip. I, you know, I thought it was a blip and you just put your head down, keep producing in the same way and we'll ride the storm and you know levels will reduce come this time and it, it's becoming very obvious now it isn't a blip. So you know, there is no magic answer. And we've all really got to work together to find the solution. Um, otherwise, you know, we, we will lose the ability to produce food. Well, it's, it's great to hear the Ellen Vannon pipes and drums in, in the background uh, and, and maybe whilst uh, Andy uh, plays the uh, the ad break back in the studio um, you, I mean you described hanging on a cliff so a cliffhanger seems an entirely appropriate time to, to go to the break so uh, just just before the break there Ian Parsons left us with a cliffhanger uh, Murray Kringle I mean you you were part of the uh, the, the, the Manx National Farm and Farming Farmers Union uh, discussion team um, when we were introducing the the, the the countryside care scheme all those years ago um, do, do you think that uh, it's worked do you think that, uh, that it's been an abject failure uh, what, what would you say uh, in relation to that uh, yeah, it was an, an interesting time for us as a union. Um, I have to say it was a close call. Uh, when we took a vote as a union on the decision, um, it was close. I was, to be quite honest, I was swinging the other way. I'm a production man. I think uh, you should be paid to produce. I think we may be, in the next few years, looking at revisiting some of these things as huge shortages increase. It's already happening in other countries. Uh, it may very well come to the Alaman at some stage but they're going to be looking for us to produce more food. Um, so it's a long way to go on it yet, but uh, it's very close at the time, but I support the union's view that um, it won its day, so we back what won its day. And, and of course, uh, you know, the, the idea was the marketplace would, would pick up the difference between uh, what was formerly the case where um, effectively the agriculture department paid farmers to produce certain things, um, and the idea was that actually the marketplace would, would 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 do that but that's clearly not been the case has it yeah let's well, not sugarcoat it phil it hasn't worked it hasn't come out of the marketplace we haven't got it out of the marketplace we're certainly not getting it out of the marketplace and we're going to have to find another way of doing it or it's just not going to happen it's not going to exist the next generation of young farmers were not prepared to work their fingers to the bone for a little return they can get money elsewhere in any other sector and they're multi-talented, these kids. They can go and do any other job. They're not shy of work, so they're good to be employed with. So let's pay them a reasonable wage for what they're doing. And yet, uh, you know, I was reading, in preparation for, for this, I have to say, uh, I was reading a blog by the World Bank that was suggesting, you know, the World, World Bank's view is that uh, th there are more restrictions being placed, uh, particularly in relation to uh, exports of fertilisers, and as a result of the restrictions that are in place um, and subsidies that are, are, are in place, um, food prices and um, uh, fertiliser prices have increased. So it's, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, uh, the theory uh, that uh, the, 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 the economists, the, the world food policy people uh, expose is uh, that uh, restrictions and subsidies uh, result in a, uh, a, a less profitable industry and uh, uh, more expensive uh, products for everybody. Um, but the reality on the ground, as far as Manx farming is concerned, uh, would appear to point in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But uh, I mean, if you expand it more to worldwide, Phil, I mean, 
Uh, I seen one there the other day that they're going to be looking to the agriculture community to in, increase production uh, to meet world population as it rises. So we're going to be actually asked to produce more from the ground we've got. So, I mean, if you want innovation in the agricultural community, what have you got now? Seven or eight maybe container farms in London, all producing salads, lettuce, herbs out of 40 foot redundant sea containers. All worked off their phone. On, I mean, you're better on your phone than I am on mine, but all, all worked off a mobile phone uh, and harvested and marketed to leading restaurants. You know, these, this is the innovation that's happening in agriculture and it will continue to move forward. So it's worth looking at and supporting consistently. And Vicky, uh, Vicky Quirk uh, from Betty's Pies, I mean, it is quite bizarre, isn't it, that um, the one thing that everybody needs, which is food, uh, we seem to be so reliant on governments interfering, international bodies interfering with the, with the whole process. Uh, surely to goodness, if, if people want more food, uh, they have to pay for it. Yeah, I know. It's, um, I was thinking about this uh, myself. I think food has become such a... We, we, we have this expectation that food should be cheap. Going into Tesco's and seeing two chickens for £5 or whatever, I just... It, they're two little lives. I, how can it be worth two pound fifty? Like how on earth? Can we, I just, I, it, it is quite sickening how um, food is just so cheap. And uh, yeah, it, it's just not, it's not doable, is it? It really isn't doable. We do food. We need to pay for quality food that we put into our bodies to keep us living and healthy and and food is more than just about eating it's the social side it's the aspect and i think i think one thing that makes me feel a, a bit sad is that the food and drink sector is um downplayed in its skills level i think people seem to think food and farming working in a restaurant for example is for those people that don't have qualifications they don't have ambition they don't they're not clever people. You know, I have a master's, I'm chartered qualified. My, um, I, I've got a, someone working in there who's a linguistics specialist. We've, we've got degrees, every, and it's such a skilled environment. I challenge anybody from a busy office banking job or something to come and work in our kitchen for a week because the skill that you require is immense. Your management skills, your, um, timekeeping your um, how to produce that volume of food and get it out in a timely efficient way and uh, make it pay uh, it, it's very very hard and it's also great fun we sing we dance we we have such a laugh at work and uh, I don't think there's many jobs where you can be as free in your work as there is in hospitality and uh, we need to we need to make it a valuable industry, a valuable sector. We need to get the young farmers enthused and uh, wanting to take over from their fathers and their grandfathers and to, to start looking at all these ways that we can make things work with the tight, tight margins that we have. So, um, yeah, we have to inspire. And, and Minister, before the break, you were talking about the, uh, the Milk Price Committee um, and uh, I've been there and, and, and got the T-shirt. And it's, it's a really interesting committee because it, it has experts from, from all sides. I mean, it, it has people representing uh, food producers. Um, it has 
the farmers union representing farmers and then the, the department uh, representing the sort of technical uh, sides of the industry. Um, but, but what is quite bizarre about all this is that we, we even have to contemplate having these sorts of uh, committees in place. Uh, it, it, how, how, do we, how do we crack this one of, of actually getting uh, a, a change in, in approach to the whole way in which the food sector is, uh, is controlled um, or, 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 or is uh, run to, um, to allow, allow the public to, to better be connected to food producers so that they understand that actually uh, you know, the, all, the, all the, uh, the stuff they've been sold for maybe the last 30 or 40, 50 years of cheap food is best, um, maybe, maybe this isn't the, the right message. Yeah, and I think it's a really, really important point because you only have to open up the local newspaper to see the big red stickers, you know, with reduced prices, come and get a pizza for 75p or whatever it might be. Um, and I understand the, the pressure that's on people, but also as a, as a nation, and I'm, we're, we're probably comparable with the UK, I would say on this, but actually as a percentage of our income per annum that we spend on food, it's significantly less than a huge number of other countries. And in fact, if you look at places like Japan, where 50% of their income they spend on food, because they, you know, for them, having good quality food and drink is something that is really something to celebrate and value, because that stuff you're putting into your body and we talk so much about the sewage pumping into the bay and things that we're swimming in and yet actually some of the stuff that we eat and we're happy to put actually inside our body by our own choice is probably arguably just as artificial and bad for you um, because there's huge numbers of uh, you know, non-natural items in some of the products that you can purchase and yet what we're talking here is about these really brilliant local products that are you know, coming out of the ground after a lot of love and attention because it really it doesn't happen automatically and I've seen that you know as I've gone around the farms on our island and the time that's put in and people getting up at 4am and working till 10, 11, midnight even making sure that all the jobs are done then they've got to distribute that they've got to get it around to the right places and as you say and then also there's people processing and then there's the the retailer making a quite significant chunk of the profit off that and at the at the bottom almost is the farmers who are there who are the ones not just providing our food but also helping us with significant work around flood management they're big part of our solution to the climate change work that we need to do in terms of sequestering carbon and I think that gets lost in the conversation and I think that's absolutely right that all of us should be talking about that and talking about the value that farming and agriculture brings to our whole island both in food security but in all of those other areas as well. I mean one of the things that this government uh, was tasked with after the election was the housing crisis. Um, Ian Parsons, I mean wouldn't it be great if um, farmers had as much control over, over the, the food market as uh, as the you know, house um, sellers uh, seem to have uh, over uh, prop the property market. That would be absolutely fantastic, Phil. <laughs> I think we'd see a lot more profitable industry. Um, yeah, it, it is. The, the, the great challenge is, is is sharing out that price of the final product right through. And I think it's as well it's educating that you know we, we could be going we're going into a crisis of people eating ready meals and processed food it's taking it back to that sort of primary type of food stuff like a sack of spuds at seven eight pound feeds feeds an awful lot of people it would do an awful lot of meals and it's you know just 
getting it back to basic seasonal produce and that then should filter back to the farming industry and be a healthier kind of diet for people to eat. And uh, Moddy Kringle, I mean, is it then not the case that uh, perhaps farmers need to uh, withdraw their labour to a certain extent, withdraw the product for a while just so, farm, so, so the food buying public realise that, uh, that, you know, that, that, that they can't carry on just ex, uh, you know, ex, expecting farmers to, to, to produce at way below uh, uh, a reasonable uh, margin to make a, a decent living? Yeah, we're going to man the borders with our pitchforks, Phil, and uh, <laughs> cast the containers back in the sea. Um, I think we're going to carry on producing if we can, financially if we can. I think Ian was making a, a fair point. We don't control our input costs. They're put on us, and we do struggle to control any of our costs. If, if we were running some other businesses and it cost us £50 a tonne more, we'd stick £50 a tonne on the bill and just pass it on to the next person. That's impossible to do in the agricultural community, so it's a different game. So um, I think farmers like to produce, that's what we like doing. I think we do the job very well, and I think um, we should be proud enough in the Alaman to ask for Manx. Don't be shy in asking for Manx, whether you're going out for steak and chips or whether you're going to the supermarket. Ask that it's Manx and buy Manx. Be proud of what your farmers are doing. And how do you then... Uh, respond to the people who will say well we, we can't afford to, to, to buy Manx, Manx, Manx food is too expensive. How, how would you respond to, to, to those sorts of uh, criticism? Um, I get some of that argument as I take my £900 phone out of my pocket and uh, all the other bad habits that I probably have the same as everybody else. Um, it's where you wish to spend your money on and I'm lucky enough I've had children, I've got grandchildren and uh, it's important to me what goes down their mouth. And I don't want to give them rubbish, as the ministers have suggested before, to be fair. You know, let's look for the best quality stuff. You, you should be proud of what you're putting into your bodies and what you're doing for your next generations. So support it. And uh, Vicky Quirk, I mean, part of the, 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 the big expense that uh, government has, uh, in, undoubtedly the, one of the biggest expenses, is health care. Uh, one of the major contributors to many of the diseases that we have is uh, unhealthy eating. Um, and, and part of that is because food has become so cheap that people can afford to, to engorge themselves on, on, on far too much of the wrong sorts of foods. Uh, how, how, I mean, if, if we, as, as people who perhaps get this, uh, try preaching to, to the unconverted, uh, they would reasonably perhaps respond and say, well, it's the nanny state and we should be allowed to do what we want with our, our, our money. How do, how do we get um, closer to, to a, a more reasonable uh, approach? Well, I think marketing is an incredibly powerful force. And I think back to the 80s when all these hyper-processed foods were coming to the fore. Hyper-processed drinks, hyper-processed foods. I think we all remember the bird's eye potato waffle advert. We all remember the, is it, what's the, 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 the lemonade secret drinker advert as well? And marketing is just driving us to buy hyper-processed foods. And it has skewed our market since the 80s, 90s, 20s. It was made to be a way of releasing women from the kitchens, enabling them to cook meals quickly and nourish their children. 
and now we're finding out that this is just causing a huge obesity crisis within the the um, the world and we have increases in di type 2 diabetes we have increases in heart um, conditions and it's all down to well a lot of it is down to what we put on our tables and as Ian was saying a big sack of spuds will feed a lot of people and that's what we think of at the cafe up on Victory at Victory Cafe where we run the kitchens we think right we're gonna buy those cheaper natural base products big shoulders of pork big sacks of spuds and we our cost goes into labor so our labor costs are way higher than you would normally have in a food in a in a restaurant you know we aim for 20 to 30 percent of our turnover ratio for staff costs but ours are at 45 to 50 percent but our food costs are much lower because we buy the cheaper base products that we then put labor and effort into making something really really delicious you know a pie yes it cheap to make a pie but the labor and the time putting into it makes it more expensive and that's what I believe in and I want to have a cafe where my child can come up and eat every single day and I'm not gonna think oh my gosh they're eating a really unhealthy diet you know there's no need for chicken nuggets and we do have fish fingers I admit that completely <laughs> we have a fish finger sandwich but the majority of the food we have is natural food why isn't this happening in school mince mince good old-fashioned minced beef you know you can do so much with that you can potatoes jack of potatoes mashed potatoes boiled potatoes all these incredible things that I I just I think we need to um, we need to get back to my grandmother's roots you know boiled brisket it's absolutely delicious and nourishing and uh, you know uh, that's what I want I want people to think about food as a moral choice it is a decision that we make on a daily basis it shouldn't be something that's based on a rip it out of the packet and put it on a tray and cooking of course I, I imagine it's different if you're making a hundred pies but making one or two pies can be quite therapeutic uh, as well can't it oh, definitely uh, I mean I look I love cooking I my whole life is cooking I, I I remember being 11 years old and I loved making lasagna and uh, I'd make the lasagna and then I'd clean up the kitchen and we'd all sit down and eat and uh, there's something really satisfying in making a meal and we all a lot of us know uh, you know on a Friday night when you've finished a really busy week you open a bottle of wine and have a glass of wine while you make a really lovely meal from scratch making a curry from scratch all those spices and you know following a recipe it's incredibly satisfying and I think you know we're losing that art and I try and encourage my children my son's only 11 and get them in the kitchen get them cooking you know sometimes when the kids have gone into school to do their um, uh, is it home economics uh, cooking something in the kitchen they're actually going in with tins of stuff to that it's more like food assembly rather than actually making food and you know, my, my mother is dom a domestic science teacher by trade and, you know, it's, it's these absolutely basic things that our children should know about. You know, I, I went to the Isle of Man College when I was 16 and the first lesson we had was we were given a box of six eggs and we were asked to think of six ways to cook those eggs. 
I'd put that to many 15 year olds now and they wouldn't know how to cook an egg six ways. So these are really basic things that we can, we need to inspire kids and inspire adults and people just to get back to knowing that food is joyful and wonderful. Final word then there to the minister. I, 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 I recall when I was first made uh, agriculture minister, people say, thinking that, well, the, the, the food area, it's a relatively straightforward, simple little department. Actually, uh, of, of all the departments of government, it's, it's the one with the most complex and most difficult issues to try and address. Uh, how, you, how do you think you're getting on after the first, uh, uh, first year, Minister? Um, I certainly wouldn't disagree with you, Phil, but um, what's interesting, I think I've almost worked out what it is we're doing in Devon. <laughs> I'm not pretending I know everything. It's just fascinating, actually, the reach of it, and especially we've got climate change back in, we've got energy policy in Defa, and obviously there's a huge piece of work there at the minute. Um, we've got agriculture, we've got the fisheries, and we've not touched on them in terms of um, food security, and actually, you know, our fisheries are suffering a, a significant amount of the same issues we've got in farming in terms of um, you're planning for the future and getting young people in into fisheries so you know there's just so many areas and then that doesn't even cover the the, the environment more generally and our, our uh, marine space so there is just so much um, in DEFRA so you know my aim to come in was to be someone who would listen um, and to engage and to you know, really work with people who are in the sector who are working at the coalface I suppose and really understand where those problems are and verify whether what we're doing will work and I, I'm absolutely committed to that and I you know, open call really to anyone if you want to get in touch drop me an email pick the phone up and I'm more than okay. happy to yeah. talk to people okay well sadly that's the end of the program thank you very much for listening